Welcome to the No Podcast with me, Nikki Spo. Welcome back, my light seekers and truth speakers. You are listening to the No, and I am your hostess, Nikki Spo. Today, I'm going to do something that I haven't done in about a year. I am going to recap a book that I read that was seriously mind blowing, but like mind blowing in the sense that I felt like I knew everything that this author was talking about. I couldn't actually explain it myself, but she just had the precise words to help me understand my feelings and really my deep inner knowing clearly that, and I was in the right space at the right time to receive the message. So before we get into the magic, I want to remind you to subscribe to the show, whether you are listening on Spotify or Apple or Google or YouTube or wherever, make sure that you are subscribed so you don't miss an episode. And if you're feeling called to, please go ahead and leave me a five-star rating and a review. This means the world to me and gives other listeners an idea of what they can expect from our chats. So the last time I did a book recap was when I went over Louise Hayes' mirror work, which, wow, was like, I think that was last February. And it was really all about learning to love yourself. And if you listen to that episode, it's a good one to revisit. You might remember that I had been given that book by former guest, Jamie Lee Ruiz, years before, like five years before I actually read it. I'm kind of like that with self-help books. I look at them for a long time. Like I watch it on my nightstand and I'm determining whether or not I'm ready to tap in and give my energy to learning and doing the work. But this time when another former guest of mine, Susie Moore, who's the author of Stop Checking Your Likes and Let It Be Easy, when Susie told me about Martha Beck's work and her most recent book, The Way of Integrity, I was all ears and full speed ahead into this treasure trove of inner knowing language, which I am obsessed with. So today, ladies and gents, I will be recapping The Way of Integrity, Finding the Path to Your True Self by Martha Beck. As you listen to this episode, please keep in mind that I will be quoting Martha Beck a lot and simply regurgitating, aka paraphrasing, powerful messages of hers that I've read and adding some personal samples of my own experiences. With that, let's get started. Okay, so this is some really powerful, thought-provoking material, and I've gone back and forth with how I want to outline this. So I am going to start off with the author's two main analogies in the definition of and search for integrity, and then I'm going to break down some of my favorite quotes from the book that I think will be really helpful for anyone who is listening. They certainly were for me. The end game of the way of integrity is coming to terms with the idea that we don't actually know anything, which if you've been listening is what the no podcast is paradoxically about. Martha Beck refers to this not knowing as don't know mind. And she says, don't know mind is above all freedom from limiting beliefs. Knowing that you don't know everything doesn't turn you into a drooling ignoramus. On the contrary, it liberates your vastly intelligent, true nature to see reality as it is, not as your culture taught you to see it. There's so much to unpack here from passed down generational trauma, gender roles, societal stereotypes and expectations and beyond. But the author gets us to this thesis in a fun, interesting, and sometimes funny recount of literary comparison and personal storytelling. Martha Beck walks us through her concepts by drawing upon two main comparisons. First, we have the comparison to Dante Alighieri's epic poem, The Divine Comedy, which, if you don't know, covers Dante's journey through hell and purgatory into ultimate enlightenment through the inferno 
guided by the ancient Roman poet Virgil. I want to make a note about a couple of things about this comparison. So first of all, I have not read Dante's Inferno in, in its entirety. I learned most of what I know about Dante's journey literally from this one book. Coincidentally, and not super intentionally, both of my sons are named after literary protagonists who are on a journey to search for life's meaning and purpose. Santiago from Paulo Coelho's The Alchemist and Dante, a name that we simply liked a lot, but now has much more meaning. Martha Beck walks us through Dante's journey through the nine gates of hell, which mimic life's pains and detachments from self, sins that she claims are deeply rooted in a desire for love. I also want to note that Martha Beck left the Mormon Church of Latter-day Saints and overcame severe trauma before and while earning her PhD in sociology from Harvard. The second main comparison that she consistently draws upon to remind us of the meaning of integrity is the comparison she makes to an airplane. Most people, I believe, think that integrity has to do with honor, a value system, a code of ethics. In The Way of Integrity, Beck uses integrity by its second, less used definition, which is the state of being whole and undivided. In her example, if an airplane is not in integrity, meaning all of its parts are not synchronized in good health and working properly, it will not fly. Every single part of the plane must be in integrity. There cannot be inconsistencies or fractures. And if the plane does fly with such faulty mechanics, it will crash and burn. This is the comparison she wants us to see and aspire to, to have all of our inner mechanics aligned so that we can, in theory, soar. If you choose to read the book, which I highly recommend, obviously, that's how it's laid out. One of the main points that is driven home over and over again is the detachment from self. And here are some of my favorite quotes that give a quality picture of what that looks and feels like. Martha Beck states that the worst psychological sufferings come from thoughts that we genuine, genuinely believe while simultaneously knowing that they are not true. Believing things that aren't true about and for us at the deepest level is the most common way in which we lose our integrity. Even a cheerful statement that you know is not true can feel like a soul murder. And it's not, this is one of, this is my favorite. It is not the positivity or negativity of a thought that makes us feel happy or sad, trapped or freed. The operative variable is whether the thoughts that we believe match what we deeply feel to be the truth. And she goes on to explain that being split from ourselves is hell. I mentioned this in one of my previous Instagram posts, and I really wanted to get into this um, a little bit deeper because it's really, really powerful for me. And I feel like it, it can be for so many other people. So reflecting on my childhood, my adolescence, and my adult life, and now being a parent, it's really clear to me how powerful our words and actions are and how, especially as children, we believe what we are told right? In my personal experience, I think we as children believe that our experiences are a direct reflection of ourselves and of our value. And these stories that we're told and our interpretations of our life experiences can become part of our identity. For me, I was simultaneously inundated with the idea that I was extremely special and I could be anything that I wanted to be. But on the flip side of that coin, I was subliminally encouraged to play small. And later in harder times, I was flat out told that I was bad evil even. And that's crazy. But the bo both of these ideas became a big, tough game of tug of war, of a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? I felt 
as equally entitled to take up space and be large and magical and special as I felt that I was unworthy of all of that. I'm not saying this to be all woe is me. I'm sharing these personal anecdotes as always to offer you a perspective that you yourself may have experienced. I recall feeling like, okay, well, which one is it? Am I, am I good or bad? And according to whom? And why? Is it possible that I am both, but I don't think that I'm bad? And so on and so forth. After all, as Beck recalls, belief is just someone saying something near you enough times. And the antidote to this is to consider what Beck calls your own personal hell thoughts. She calls them hell thoughts. And here, in a moment of vulnerability, here are some of mine. I am unlovable. No one will ever love the real me. I am stupid. I am not worthy. And Beck presents that the problem with these hell thoughts is that the anxiety of believing something that doesn't feel true makes us more likely to self-sabotage. And so she asks us, are you sure? Can you release the lie? In an episode that I did a while back, I touched on the hell thought theory, which I didn't know was called a hell thought according to Martha Beck. That episode, I touched on the, this concept of hell thoughts that I had to overcome to start this podcast. The, th- the idea that no one would listen, I would sound dumb, I will embarrass myself and my family. And I asked myself and my listeners, can I know for certain that this is absolutely true? It's a, teach- it's a teaching from Katie Byron. And so now we are revisiting that. Is this thought true? Can you absolutely know that the thought is true? And we must become our own inner teacher. With that, we also need to trust ourselves. This is this is probably one of the biggest struggles for me personally. And Martha Beck goes on to explain that when we deliberately leave our own truth, we live in a foggy world where nothing seems trustworthy or reliable because we ourselves are neither trustworthy or reliable. And we think about like truth versus what is false, right? And so here's a note about lying, which she hits heavy on in a section called the no lie rule, which is honestly hard as fuck because most of, most of us have told little white lies as well as some big ass lives in our lies in our lives, even to ourselves. Her note about lying is that everything is easy once you believe your own lies. The problem with this is that everything is easy on the outside, but your inner world becomes an inferno of isolation and paranoia. And when we deliberately leave our own truth, we live in a foggy world where nothing feels trustworthy or reliable because we ourselves are not trustworthy or reliable. Truth rocks the boat. And there are sometimes even when silence is a lie. And she continues to encourage readers to try her no lie rule for a day, for a week, and then extended period of times. What would happen if you told absolutely no lies? How would this affect your friendships? your relationships, your career, and what truth or truths are you hiding from yourself or others to protect yourself or others, but then to sacrifice by living outside of your integrity. I literally wrote this quote on a sticky note and put it on my mirror. It goes a little something like this. I decided to keep moving towards my truth, damned the torpedoes. Martha Beck. And one of the next things that Martha Beck covers is tapping into your anger as a source of information. Intel about where and how your truths and boundaries have been crossed, where your integrity has been compromised. And this has been really illuminating for me because I've had quite a reputation in my life since I was a child of being angry. And yet I don't even deny that. So in this next passage, Martha Beck explains the difference between violence and anger 
And it's really powerful. Anger is a very normal response to injustice or ill treatment. Violence, according to the Oxford Dictionary, is intended to hurt, damage, or kill someone or something. She then goes on to discuss the myth of normal and what normal is for any given person, but mostly what society deems it as such. In my personal experience with anger, I know that there have been times that I have felt completely and utterly righteous in my anger, and I have been so angry that I have created my own personal hell. Here's the thing. I believe that I do not know for certain that there is, in fact, a heaven or a hell beyond this world. I have always felt that our experience of our lifetimes contain both. And I do know for certain that I have created and lived in my own hell of anger, of pain, and suffering, which also deserve distinction. Beck explains that pain is physical, as in, I tripped and I dinged my shin into the bed frame and that hurts. That is painful. Suffering, on the other hand, is our thoughts about the pain that we experience, okay? Our thoughts. Suffering is our thoughts about the pain that we experience. This can sound like, I'm so clumsy. This is a start to a horrible day, this stupid bed. Why am I so, why am I always tripping over things, right? These are tiny lies that we are telling ourselves. This, as benign as this example is, is part of suffering. Now think of all the ways in which we've thought about our own painful experiences, more severe painful experiences, physical or emotional. For me, the most suffering I have experienced have been with the association with my thoughts on shame and judgment specifically, which have bred years of anger and resentment for me in my own life. And so it comes full circle using anger as a tool for information, reflecting on our thoughts about specific experiences and considering whether or not our thoughts are absolutely positively true or whether we are buying into the lie, thus committing self-torture, which leads to another topic that I found really insightful is the idea of misery, the topic of misery. As we go down a path towards healing and living in our personal integrity, we really do have to consider when situations are no longer aligning with our true selves and how we lie to ourselves and to others by staying in miserable scenarios. One of the life experiences that I've spoken about very openly is my relationship with my mom, which for me was completely miserable for a time. With all that I know now, I cannot begin to go back and dissect where the lie was and what the truth was. I did not know what I did not know at the time. But what I did know was that I had to end my communication with her. Thus, I ended part of that misery. And people would say, oh, but she's your mother. You must talk to her. You must support her. She's, she must be at your wedding. She must know your children. When she is gone, you will regret this, so on and so forth. And for me, I know I knew that keeping my communication with her would not have been in integrity for me. I also allowed myself the grace to cross those bridges when I got there, which as many know, came last year when my mother passed away. And for more on the mother wound, which is another really important topic covered by Bethany Webster in great detail, you can check out my interview with her, um, Bethany Webster, in episodes 44 and 45. And here's the thing about misery that Martha Beck brings to light. Even once we've left it, our known misery, the, the misery that we've identified, we are, we are allowed to mourn it. Okay. So she encouraged us to do this by saying, don't think that missing your old life means that you should go back to it. Everyone who decides to embrace integrity must mourn the known misery, the familiar patterns and dysfunctional relationships they left behind. 
I think there's a common misconception that once a person has decided to move on from any relationship or experience, that we are supposed to have no ill feelings or no sadness about it, that we aren't allowed to long for parts of what was. I faced this a lot after my mother's death. Statements like, statements would come up to me like, you hated her. Why is this so hard for you? Or you're so close to your dad. It's not like he died. Or I don't know how you could have ever forgiven her. And I'm not here to answer those questions because those answers are private for me. But I do want to highlight the complexities of mourning the loss of something that may have been difficult in a person's life. Taking a time out to bring some comic relief because this is all deep, deep stuff. I read a meme on IG that said, girl, you don't need to start a podcast. You need a therapist. And it made me laugh. One, because obviously I have a therapist. And two, I remember really thinking about this before I started my show. I wanted to consider how I would share parts of my journey without putting it onto my listeners, without making it completely about me. I felt really insecure about that. Does this sound narcissistic? Does it sound like I'm complaining? Ah, here I am tiptoeing into my own health thoughts, health thoughts of my own creation again. I don't feel like that so much anymore, but sometimes those thoughts do creep up. And I have to say, when I was reading this book, I know that part of what makes it so great is Martha Beck's vulnerability and sharing some of her personal experiences in relation to her path to integrity. I don't think the book would have had the same impact had she not included parts of her journey. So to conclude, Martha Beck moves into the awakening that happens within us when we are on our path to integrity. Following Dante's path through and out of the inferno and into his own awakening, he then returns to the inferno to guide others through it as his teacher Virgil did for him, thus helping other lost individuals find their way through, through to peace. Because when we set ourselves free, we can help do the same for others. Beck explains, since people who are awake experience everyone and everything as part of themselves, and since they are driven by compassion, their primary goal is to set themselves completely free by freeing other people. And as Tony Morrison said, the function of freedom is to free someone else. What is incredible is that I have learned this firsthand by working a 12-step program. Uh, the last step of most 12-step programs is to help another person who is sick or suffering. And sometimes it's hard to imagine that one person with their set of experiences can change someone's whole life trajectory. But I know this to be wholly true. I know for certain that I have had soul teachers show up in my life at various points, even if they showed up as a theoretical angel or even in some of my harder relationships or experiences that I have inched closer to my own personal freedom and integrity because I have been shown the way by others, which by the way, is not finite. It doesn't end. There is no arrival. The pursuit of integrity, of personal truth, and awakening is ongoing and it is malleable. It changes as we change. I do not expect to arrive. I hope to move forward and grow. And if my sharing this on the show has helped one person, then I do believe that I have done a service. I really think that everybody should go ahead and get a copy of this book. I hope that someday, not just get a copy of it, you need to read the book. I hope someday that I'll have the chance to interview Martha Beck personally, but for now, I wanted to share her wisdom with my listeners in this way. I'm going to link the book in the show notes, and I definitely encourage everybody to check it out. I hope that this was insightful and thought-provoking for you, and I hope that we all find our path to integrity and what that means for us. Thank you for listening. Thank you for seeking the light, even if you're in the dark. I want to encourage you to look within and trust yourself more and more each and every day. Love you guys.
Thank you so much for listening to The Know. If you loved this episode, go ahead and share it with a friend. Words are so powerful and someone may need to hear what we covered today. And if you really loved this episode, please take a moment to rate the show and leave a review. Your comments are so important and valued and they give other listeners insight on what to expect on The Know. You can connect with me personally via Instagram at Nikki Sap Spo and The Know with Nikki Spo. My hope for you today is that you are fearless in looking inward so that you can be your highest, most authentic self and go after the life of your dreams. Mm-hmm.